Welcome to Fandoms, Culture, and Perhaps a Few Murders. I am Al, the Range Master. With me is Spade, the Deadly Blade Master. How you doing? And the Stealthy Furry Ninja Feline. Meow. Today's topic of discussion is underrecognized wars slash battles. I would like to talk about the Kingdom of Nubai's successful battle to push back the Roman legion of Emperor Caesar Augustus, or Caesar Augustus, however you want to pronounce it. Now I'm going to massacre this name, but I'm going to do my best. It's Queen Amanirenas, referred to as Kandake, or Queen Mother, ruled the Kingdom of Kush in the Nubai region, known as Sudan today, from 40 BC to 10 BC. With her husband having passed away to a previous battle, it was up to Queen Amanirenas and her son to take action when she learned of the upcoming Roman attack. Knowing her kingdom and army was much smaller than the Romans' numbers, she took the fight to them. With 30,000 of her people along with her son at her side, they launched a surprise attack against the Romans. The attack was highly successful, and she captured three major Roman cities and, as an additional fuck you to them, defaced as many statues of Augustus as she could. In retaliation, Augustus invaded Cush, destroying the old capital and selling thousands into slavery. But the Queen Mother wasn't finished. She counterattacked repeatedly and swiftly, terrorizing the Roman soldiers with their erratic and fearsome attacks. Historic accounts, such as murals and paintings, show the Queen Mother wielding two swords, feeding captives to her pet lion, as well as using war elephants on her enemies. For the next three years, Cush and Rome battled back and forth with one of the skirmishes costing the queen one of her eyes. As soon as her wounds healed, she was back at the front lines with her people, handling, handing the Romans a well-seasoned ass whooping. A peace treaty was reached highly favorable to the Nubians. Romans would pull back armies out of their territories of all Egypt, giving the Nubians back all land and canceled all taxes. Queen Amanirenas, the one-eyed Nubian archeress who successfully freed Egypt and her people from Roman and tyrannical rule. The war was from 25 BC to 21 BC. She kicked ass. First off, Kush. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because when I'm hearing the story, visually talking about a one-eyed queen, I thought of the show Magicians and the character Margot, and I loved her. She's great. There are pictures of her with an eye painted on the eye patch that she used. And when talking about war elephants, I was thinking like Lord of the Rings, you know? It looks good, though. It looks badass because she's right there with the arrow with the eye patch on her side. I was like, oh, that's killing it when I saw these pictures. It was so dope. I was so excited. And during a time period like that, there probably wasn't a lot of opposition that would bring it to them like that. So I wonder if more wars played out like that would they have been as quote-unquote fearsome as they were perceived bigger numbers tend to underestimate smaller armies they probably didn't think much of them so that might have played a pretty helpful role and the fact that this kingdom pushed them back said fuck you and keep the fuck out oof, and they handled business and i love it she was supposed to be um comparable to another female warrior that you kind of revered isn't she is olga she she was the patron saint russian patron saint olga of kiev yeah her husband got killed um getting picking up ties and tributes to his land and the people who killed him had the audacity to be like yo you ain't got no king we're gonna send you one of our people to marry since we killed him 
and she's like, "Oh, really?" And then, oh, the the, the vengeance to re wreath on those people. Oh, so good, so good. Didn't you say she set like birds on fire to burn down the village or something? Yes, yes. She had all. She had every home send her a, a pigeon or a dove from their house, and then she started a fire of like the using the the embers and stuff of what she's taken over from the city anyway and set that shit to fire and then she took those embers and attached them to the birds so the birds would return back to their houses landing with the embers on the the you know the the thatch roofs and stuff like that setting everything on fire <laughs> from the outside she was gangsta killing it it's like your top bitches in history ah i i could set up a list i'm so happy with them these stories are so good <laughs> I feel like history tends to underestimate, well, clearly underestimate women just because, you know, the figurehead being traditionally male isn't there doesn't mean you should sleep on the female. You know what I mean? It just seems like women were looked at as pieces that uh, invading force who wanted to supplant that ruler and marry her with a male of their choice to give, you know, to have them under their yoke so to speak. The levels of audacity in that shit, man. I mean, it's true, because if you look throughout history, any time where a female was put in the position where she had to defend herself, it seems like there's a theme of and, you know, extra level of aggression because you probably had to prove yourself. Oh, yeah. I can't remember her name, but there was the only female Chinese empress. Yes, and they tried to write her out of history. Yeah, and she was too cold. <laughs> because she was fucking ruthless. Yeah. Yo, she was ruthless. She took land hand over fucking fist because she could. Then shit you couldn't tell her. And she was the fucking main reason that you said it was China, right? Yeah. That China, mainland China grew as large as it fucking did because of her. And then they discredited her because she was a fucking female. And then they try to erase her shit from the looks. Egyptians tried to do that shit too. Yeah. It's like in every culture, it's trying to write women's power out. Right. It's the audacity for me every time. There's always layers of audacity. I know we've had this conversation before in which I had mentioned that they may have sat there and tried to erase her from history, but they certainly weren't trying to give back the land that she conquered though, though, right? I know there was a small group of those in the ruling party that did agree and like what she did, but they couldn't publicly throw their weight or reputations behind her because she was a woman. But you wanted to give her private credit, but you also didn't want to tell or you know acknowledge outwardly that everything that she grabbed that only made your mainland grow as big as it is now, you certainly weren't trying to give that back. Right, exactly. Like all this, all this hate that you were doing, but you certainly weren't going to give back what she claimed. No, sir. Big ups to Queen Mother. <laughs> He's fucking killed. That's what I was gonna say. What am I picturing? Where it's like Queen Mother. Yeah, uh, the Wakanda, the the Black Panther. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you're thinking of. Well, they have that. You know, Kandake is a word that they used inside of the movie as well because it does mean Queen Mother. Same thing. They have used that in the film as well because it's genuine. I mean, in the monarchy line of, of uh, royal titles, the Queen Mother does exist in a lot of the monarchies, most notably Britain's. Right. So 
the queen mother is a queen who doesn't rule because her son or her daughter sits on the throne. Like the queen regent type shit, right? The queen regent is someone, is the title that she would have had prior to becoming queen mother if she didn't have a child. And in, in absence of her husband or her father, she would have ruled in the stead. Because I have to make some like extra exception for a woman to have power, even though she's literally the queen. And it's like no power vacuum will exist as long as you have a regent there. But it's like they didn't want to give power to a queen unless it was absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. The only ones that stood out in history, as far as Britain is concerned, that were female who seemed to rule, even in the midst of all that um, type of talk and saying, oh, she must marry, she must bear children, is Victoria and Elizabeth I. Mm-hmm. The first Indochina War, and that began in 1946, a year after the end of World War II, mind you. And while ending in 1954, Viet Minh forces claimed victory against Japanese and French Vichy forces in August of that year. That war lasted seven years, seven months, one week, and six days. Now, Indochina at the time was made up of Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. France was there a long time colonial ruler until 1940 when Japan had defeated them. Vietnamese resistance movement had fought against that Japanese occupation after defeat in 1945, hoped to gain independence from the returned French forces. And after many battles that saw many casualties, Viet Minh defeats France with the Battle of Dien Bin Phu, speaking of possibly slaughtering pronunciations, with the surrender of 12,000 French troops. The results were a peace treaty that led to the independence of Cambodia and Laos and the splitting of Vietnam into two independent states of both North and South Vietnam. The following year, after an insurgency that was backed by North Vietnam developed against the newly named Republic of Vietnam, escalated into the Vietnam War that would last the next 19 years. Mm -hmm. Now, the Vietnam War obviously is one of those wars that people tend to remember because it's regarded as one of America's greatest failures. No. Now, as far as the stats go, the West, in terms of historians, estimated that there were between 175,000 and 300,000 that were dead or missing. Holy shit. On the Viet side, they confirmed that 191,605 were definitely dead. Uh, France lost uh, about 74,220, 21,000 of them actually being of French ethnicity. 64,127 were wounded. 36,979 were captured. The state of Vietnam recorded 58,877 dead or missing for a total of between 400,000 and 842,707 that were killed and 125,000 to 400,000 of the other deaths were of civilians. God damn. We're talking about a war that lasted seven years. Not too long after the end of World War II. So we're talking about like back-to-back wars. And then after this one concluded, after its near eight-year run, goes into one of the most well-known wars that lasted damn near 20. Mm. War. War never changes. <laughs> I was just thinking that, you know, Fallout's my game. 
but that is so much loss of life, unnecessary loss of life. Now, that was the gist of the Indochina War. It's not even one that a lot of people really tend to think about because really, if you think about it, this war is sandwiched in between the bigger war of World War II and another big war with the Vietnam War, even though the Vietnam War was technically known as the Second Indochina War. It gets overbrushed by the Vietnam War every time. Yeah, I mean, because after those two grand wars, even though one of them was supposedly known as the war to end all wars, then comes this one that gets sandwiched with... Those numbers are not little, you know, I mean, as far as casualties on both sides as well as civilians. And then a Vietnam War that just racked in even more. And it really is usually like the dumbest things that trigger it. Like, I'm pretty sure if I recall correctly, the first world war was mostly just tensions. Like everyone was afraid that the other person was going to shoot first. So they just started shooting. It was something that was entirely in their heads that led to so much loss and then ultimately planted the seeds for the second world war. I feel like with the Indochina war going into the Vietnam war, it was because at that point in time, there was someone who was agreed to be put in charge of South Vietnam at the time. And then that person got deposed by its prime minister. And they were declaring like a new republic. And that just didn't sit well with the, the forces that installed the previous regime. And I believe it was the previous regime wanted to enact democracy so they could vote for those in power. And there was opposition to that democratic ideal. So then there was that opposition led to war or them closing themselves off and then raising the ire of those who didn't want what was a, in their estimation, hard-earned victory to be overturned. Yeah, we worked hard to subvert this person and get this person where they're supposed to be. You're not allowed to take them back out and do the same shit to us that we just did to you. And, and especially such a short period of time. So we're sitting there talking about like a little over a year later. But you're playing with so many people's lives that you've spent like so much blood capital that really, why is it over such small things that could have been talked about or hashed out or, you know, debated or something that now you guys just decided to send someone's children off to fight a battle that you technically started just because you couldn't agree in a room? with your contemporaries i want to say two things one i don't understand why people just can't communicate and every single fucking problem in every tv show or movie that you watch the fucking titan tv series every single problem is them not communicating every single time and it drives me bonkers i don't understand it and and, and that's what happens in a lot of these cases it's daunting, just like the numbers period of loss of life period. But like, you know, being sandwiched between those two, I absolutely understand how something like that, at least like, wouldn't be highly mentioned because the Vietnam War was seen as like such a massive just like loss and then waste as well. 
So people would have focused on the bigger as opposed to the smaller that would have kicked it off. The other thing I want to say is that the higher up you go, the easier it is to disassociate with the levels below you. So it's always men in suits making decisions for soldiers on the ground. So the higher up you go, the, the more easier it is to play with someone's lives and just dangle them over and position them in spots like you're playing risk. It's funny, the only time that they ever do want to kind of survey the troops is when they're safely on their own home base, even if it's overseas, like some embassy. They'll go over there, they'll talk with them, meet with them. Now, that's not to sit there and say that some politicians may not actually feel uh, you know, the, the weight of the decisions that they've made, but not all of them feel that way. And that's the only time that they actually get to see these individuals, you know, like face to face. Outside of that, it's just a platoon number or something on a on sheet. And you just deploy this many of them over there. And their mission is to do this, make sure it gets done. Right. And can I also say, because I'm going to be that person, I'm going to be that person. And that the, if a woman was put in charge for a lot of these situations, I feel like it wouldn't be as bad or the proper woman. And I want to say that because men are always taught that anger isn't an emotion. So women are the only ones that get emotional. If you as a male, like admiral or whatever position you have where you are full of testosterone and you think you're hot shit and someone stepping on your toes pisses you off so you retaliate, that's born of your ego getting hurt, you're being sensitive. And it drives me fucking bonkers because anger is an emotion. And anger and ego and all of that filter in with higher up positions and then and people get insulted. Somebody isn't represented properly or this person doesn't get what they want, put it in a bill. And then all of a sudden, war breaks out from bad negotiations or non-communication. Fights break out. All kinds of bullshit happens because lack of communication, over-emotional responses, and then men being told that anger isn't a fucking emotion. It annoy it drives me bonkers. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I've heard the same thing. I've heard guys try to say, like, oh, guys don't get emotional. Like every time you get pissed and moody, that's you being emotional. That's a thing. Not being open to criticism either. Yeah. It's it's then the layers of toxic masculinity, like you talked about, the over-testosterone general that's been through how many wars and seen how many men go down and stuff like that, but he's still tough because you stopped being on the field after a certain time and the environment has changed. We no longer fight with muskets and bayonets, you know? Shit is being fought on the internet as well as, like, you know, long range, and it's dangerous. It's a different world than what it was before, and you can't take that same mentality into a new world. Uh, what was it? Um, even was it Teddy Roosevelt who sat there and and said that we should? No, it wasn't Roosevelt. We should have like the the Constitution changed every once in a while because to change with the new times and have it have it adaptable, have it changeable. One of the genius ideas about the Constitution is that. When it was written, they written it to be somewhat open-ended, where if you needed to amend it, that's what the amendments were for, to make changes with the times that they could see coming and what they couldn't even possibly dream of seeing if they were alive today. 
That's better than what I said. So yeah. Well, I was going to say it seems to be a problem that plagues any type of like military-esque rank system like the police and obviously the military itself, where the idea of getting your ego hurt because someone speaks to you out of turn because they're being literally trained with the idea that your rank means you can't be treated like everybody else, even though at the end of the day, you're still a person prone to making mistakes. And if they get called out on it by someone they deem as below them, it gets ignored or they outright get punished for speaking out. And that's a bad mentality. I don't know whose idea it was to like literally make that the rules there where you cannot question the higher ups or point out their flaws, but it's very toxic and it's very much probably ingrained to most, if not all of the problems already way too much. And that's on a lower level where they're not carrying the kind of weaponry or power where they could, you know, they already do enough damage, but not to the level that the military can do. And who knows what the military has done because they even like self-govern and have their own court system. So there's probably a lot of shit we never fucking hear about. And that's exactly the way they want it too. <laughs> it reminds me of a story I saw recently enough that mentioned that it was a woman who was working for some company. And she was working under a manager who had sent her an email that they were going to send to a client that she happened to catch. There was lots of typos. There was a lot of like um, misspellings, things like that. And so she just edited the document sent it back and was like, so this is what you want to send, yes? And then it was like, no, I want you to send what I sent you. But there was a lot of mistakes that were in it and we're about to send this to a client and then ask them to pay us for a service we're about to do for them. Wouldn't that seem unprofessional? And the person seemed to be really up on, they didn't want to be corrected. And they need to do what they were told. And so this woman was like, yeah, okay, well, I'm putting in my two weeks because I can't work under a leader who can't see mistakes and own up to them and be able to effectively lead if they're going to be ignorant to mistakes and possible ideas that others may have. Oh, yeah, no, shut that shit down immediately. You know about me and inefficiency, man. I bug out. Like, listen, just do what you're supposed to do. How could you send something that looks like a 14-year-old that yells YOLO to an actual, like, a client? That's so unprofessional. How are you running a business and you don't know how to type properly? It's insane. No. And, and absolutely. The whole accountability thing annoys the hell out of me, too. Like, if you're wrong, then you're wrong. So what? It's a moment of embarrassment. Yeah, it was an accident. Let me fix it. Make it professional. Thanks for letting me know. I appreciate it. Push on. It's not that hard of a fucking thing to do. I don't understand. People don't want to feel certain fucking emotions for half a second or two seconds or something like that just to get mad. It, it don't make no sense. It takes way more energy to get pissed off and then go on to rant about not being correct instead of just saying, all right, my bad. You're right. Let me fix this. And then go do it. Like, what the fuck is the problem? I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. It makes my brain hurt. <laughs> and it's bad, too, because I feel like people in those positions, they're 
basically told that they can get away with having those kinds of ego problems and they never get checked. And then it just gets worse because they just get older and stuck in their ways. Yeah. It's the whole, I paid $500 to my state and filled out a lot of paperwork so I can get an IE or an IEN so I can pretend to have a company. Now it's mine and I can treat people however I want. Because I've seen how people treat other people and it's okay for me to do the same thing. Because I'm mad. I can't stand people. <laughs> All right. Today's Am I the Asshole section. You have estranged sister, mom, and strangers. Pick one. Mm, I'm going to go stranger. Strangers. All right. So am I the asshole for not wanting strangers parking on my yard during city or slash county events? To give context, my city slash county throws parades for holidays, Martin Luther King Day, Mardi Gras, etc., Christmas, etc. It's up the main street of the town and my street branches off of the parade street. So naturally, people will park their cars up and down my street to make it easier and quicker departure time for them and their families. I understand that. What I don't understand is how two or three people each parade will pull into my driveway or drive in my yard and park on my grass or driveway. Now, I used to not bat an eye at this situation because parades last 30 minutes, right? Well, lately they've been hours, including people who show up early to get settled in. My mom now can't get into her garage after coming home from work because there's 250 cars all up and down the street, two in our driveway, one in my yard. Not to the side, literally at the very beginning of my driveway, taking up all the space. So this Christmas parade, I saw the same F-250 truck and walked by him while he was sitting in his truck and gave him a confused look while he was walking to my house. A look of, do I, do I know you? Why are you in my driveway? I look at my house and look back at him and he scoffs, rolls his eyes and pulls out. An old lady parks her car on my grass. I do the same thing to her, but she ignores me. As a teenager, I don't really know what to do about this situation. And when I try to get them to leave my yard, they act as if I'm the asshole. So I ask, am I the asshole for confronting these people to get off my property? It's your property. (laughs) Period. It's your property. For the record, a lot of places or people who have people parking in their yards and on their driveways and shit or on their streets usually tend to charge. You're right. And if it's a long enough driveway, 20 bucks, both. Give me 40 bucks. <laughs> Hit me with gas for the next couple of days. We good. So them not being charged at all. And then if they're literally on their grass, that's kind of crazy. Because I feel like general consideration is even if you're walking up someone's walkway to their front door, you don't step on the grass if you don't know how they feel about it, let alone put a whole vehicle on it. And not allow them access to their own home. Yeah, you're not fucking up my lawn. As soon as you park on my lawn, I'm going to come out and stab your tires and make force you to fucking really get off my lawn. Yeah, I would say the audacity of them just thinking that they can park anywhere is like, dude, you can see, you know, like how many vehicles are already present on the property to which you're invited. But where do you get the thought that you can just park your vehicles on neighboring houses and think that that's gonna be okay you know it's like they don't want to be inconvenienced which is why they do it dude like these and, and i feel like it's one of those like places where it's clearly suburban area 
people understand property law. My driveway is my driveway. Don't park your shit on my driveway. How is it acceptable on a parade day for you to park your shit on somebody else's driveway? Knowing how maniacal I've seen a lot of these fucking like parking issues and shit people be at like on Reddit and, and Karens and shit. Mad of them is part about parking. And as crazy as people are about parking, how is it that you have the audacity to do that to someone else? Knowing you wouldn't be cool if somebody was doing it to you. Honestly, the kids should just literally, if they act like they're being rude because they don't want them on there, be like, okay, since it's my property, if you don't leave, I will charge you. And if you don't pay me, I'll call the police. Like, those are your terms. That's it. Because it's literally trespassing if it's without permission. And again, like, he's, I don't know if it's he. They're not charging you. When most of the time people make a quick buck off of charging people for their parking spaces during event, you're going to pay me or you're going to get off because you're trespassing. I'd get some barbed wire and put it down on the floor right in the front of the um, uh, right in the front of the, the garage where the where the ramp is for her driveway for their driveway. Because I don't know if it's a he or she I put barbed wire across the ground right in the front of the driveway, two rows of it, just two sticks across it and across the front of the yard. Just put two sticks down, wrap the barbed wire around it, and leave it there for the extent of the parade. And then if people try to drive on it, they'll fuck around and find out. <laughs> they can't say shit because it's on your property. Should have to push that shit home with a busted hip. Right. Have to drag that shit off. There's no fucking way you're parking on my grass. Like, no. No. Now, from this corner of the universe, there's a rumor that's been going around that Marvel Studios is considering integrating fox's x-men into the mcu for the multiverse taking those who fox had already cast in roles and bringing them officially into their universe like they've done with ryan reynolds for deadpool and hugh jackman for wolverine and so i'd be down for you know michael fassbender to be the alternate younger magneto to carry on how he's been playing him from those films and into this universe. I think that for some of the characters that they've cast, whether it be from the first class films or from the original singer X-Men trilogy, some of them were cast pretty decently and you already have a built-in fan base who are used to those faces being those characters and people do like continuity. So I'd be up for it. Now, is there anybody from the roster that you guys would recast if uh, you were given a choice to keep or change? From the X-Men? Yeah. Whether it be the either group from the first class cast or the original cast. Jean Grey all around. She, every iteration of her needs to go and we need to start fresh. They need to do my girl right this time. No offense to the women who have played her. They've done... They are great actresses and have done the best with what the, was written for them to do. Okay, nothing taking away from their acting whatsoever. But they're not doing the character. The writers are not doing the character justice. And it's making my eyes switch. <laughs> it is. I want, I want a good, I don't, I, like, I'm going to be that person. I want a fucking shot for shot proper incarnation of my bitch. And I need it done right by the book. I need you for to look good, have what exactly needs to happen, happen. I need you to fly off and kill off an entire fucking planet to balance the universe because she's like that. Then come back. Like, I need it. I need all of it. I need, I need, 
I need to I need her to be recast. I need to be recast well and then written well. I need to do my girl justice. Can you at least picture to like, I don't know, someone you think could do the demeanor? No, I don't I don't have anybody in mind because I'm not good with image. I'm not like I'm not good with imagination that way. I can't create like that. I can be I can read and then imagine it in my head really well, but I can't create on my own. So I could not imagine anybody right now. Like I could imagine different people for like Superman, but I can't for Jean Grace. She's such a high up character in my head. Maybe I just have her on a pedestal for me. Like if you're discounting aesthetic. But it's it's like the aesthetic is made for me still. I need the, I know I'm playing. Um, it's really hard. I liked I would I would have the, the Jessica Chastain the the she played the blonde in the Dark Phoenix one right from the other planet. Yeah, her in her natural red hair state with how she acts, I think would have been a good Phoenix, but an older one. But if we're going young Phoenix, I don't. I don't think I could have anybody in mind. I'd want maybe, ooh, maybe the rude chick from uh, American Horror Story Coven, the, the the rude younger girl who was meant to, who they thought was going to be the next Supreme. Uh, the blonde girl, what's her name? Emma? Maybe. She was also in the most recent Scream, was it? Well, probably say, yeah, I'm guessing that you mean, that you do mean Emma Roberts. Yeah. Yeah, her. I th- she has good range. I like her face, and I think she would do a good young Jean Grey. She could do dramatic as far as a lot of the um, the tribulations that she has gone through in the Phoenix storyline. I think she can play tragic. I think she can play insular while also trying to grow and like because you didn't just become a teacher to become a t- you you know just to become a teacher you grow. You learn, you go to school, you know, you do shit, you know? Another person who could possibly play Broken and is a redhead also would be Amanda Seyfried. She's a redhead? She has been in some of her movies. Tell me what she's played in. I feel like I know the face, but I'm mixing her up with the chick from Mamma Mia, and I think they're not the same person. Yeah, she is the chick from Mamma Mia. It is her. Oh, okay. I don't know. There's something about her face that's so circular that it doesn't seem like a Jean Grey face to me. I think she would do good with drama, but I think her eyes are too big. I think she could have been a decent Harley Quinn. Feels like she could probably play ditzy, but slightly off. Like she was a mean girl. Yeah, exactly. She's like, she was kind of like spaced out. Right. She has a doe and headlights look, but Harley Quinn does have that look to her. So I think that's good. Yeah, I think she would do a good young Harley Quinn, but I don't think I could put her as a, as a, as a young Dark Phoenix. As a young Jean Grey, I mean. Anybody else that you feel like feel like needs to be changed? I want a proper bishop. Yeah. I would also love an Omega Red. Ooh, he would be good. They pull Wolverine out and give. I want Hugh Jackman to fight Omega Red. Sorry, I kind of geeked out there for a second. I feel like there was a story I had made mention to you of that Omega Red is being thought about in a potential future project. Well, he's canon in the in in Deadpool's universe because he's seen in the background at the prison. Yeah, it would be nice to see an older interpretation of X twenty three doing the young version, like young child version, was good for the Logan story. It worked really well, but for her to exist in you know the way she's 
recognized by comic fans and stuff as being older. That would be interesting to see. And officially the new Wolverine, you know, which would play well after Jackman does, you know, leave the role. Yeah, absolutely. The end of Logan, right? She went with those kids to presumably what was an actual safe haven for mutants. And that story ended pretty well where it was. But it would be kind of interesting to see, like, you know, whatever they found. I agree. Like, a follow-up. Absolutely. I have an issue with, like, non-closure. Like, I'll watch videos, and it would be like, well, what happens if this? And I'm like, well, what the fuck happened afterwards? I need to know. Don't give me half the business. I need closure with this shit. Plus, you could probably play up a lot of drama if you have all these, like, young kids with abilities sort of fending for themselves while trying to get to where they're going. In the same time, teasing the future. Yeah. You have these young versions of characters and then prepare an audience for older versions of them. Yeah, because fanboys would have been like, oh, I know who that is with that power set and so on. Right. Now, I think that initially Fox did have plans to make an X-23 movie, but it was in the very, very early stages. And Mm -hmm. most likely one of those projects that were shelved and or put away on the back burner while the Disney Fox deal was being hashed out at the time. Especially seeing as we know that Disney would have had um, conversations with Kevin Feige over what his plans were to take the MCU. And so they would give him the characters that he would need to flesh out the story or the saga he planned to tell over the next dozen or so movies. There was... After the release of Wakanda Forever, there were interviews done with the screenwriters for it. And one of them mentioned that Marvel Studios doesn't want and doesn't aim to hire comic book fans to write their stories because they don't want there to be a conflict. They want there to be a fresh set of eyes taking source material, but adapting it to the stories that they want to tell without it, you know, because obviously when you change things, for some fanboys so diehard that they don't want anything changed at all. You perfectly encapsulated what a fan wants to see adapted, but Marvel has told people tons of times before they don't want to tell you the stories that you know the outcome to. They just want to tell you the general gist of the story that you love, but to fit the narrative they want to say or what they want to project on screen. Okay, but a nice middle ground is to keep the characters true because technically the only thing that shouldn't change is the characters. You could take the characters as they're supposed to be represented, like keep the core essence of the characters, keep them as they're supposed to be because that's what makes the characters a character, and then put them in different stories. That's perfectly fine. It's when you see like any adaptation of anything where they change the characters themselves, no matter what detail it is. That's where I feel like the problem lies. Because I get the notion of, you know, copying a story word for word that people probably already know isn't always going to be extremely interesting. People who are fans of that story will still probably like it. But does that bring anything new to the table? No. Keeping the characters the same and then putting them in slightly different stories or putting them in altogether new stories that's where you draw in those fans who have the characters that they're familiar with and give them something new to look at with those said characters i think that's what should be the idea they should be a fan to a degree 
Yeah, hence my rant about Phoenix. <laughs> they can hammer home origin stories two, three, four, five times in a fucking row. Batman, fucking Superman, fucking Spider-Man, any man, all of them. They can hammer home origin stories properly, but Dream Grey can't get a proper origin story? I mean, I can still hate, and I'm gonna. That is a fair point. They like to retell the particular stories they like retelling. Right, and the whole, like, how many Spider-Mans do we need to have, you know, what is it? Uh, with great power comes great responsibility. And every time somebody uttered that, with all, you know, that particular phrase, that person died not too long after, since you're mentioning it. Um, there was details about Spider-Man 4, the unreleased Sam Raimi Spider-Man 4 sequel with Tobey Maguire was they were going to include the Vulture, who we now know in the MCU was played by Michael Keaton. In the separated Sony universe, the Vulture was going to be played by John Malkovich. Oh, really? I mean, I don't, I don't mind that. Who's that? Who he was in red as the crazy guy carrying the pig. I loved him in that. And he was in Man in the Iron Mask. I got it. That's right. That's right. He's so good. I'd say yes. They had concept art and they even had a molding with his face and the wings that were pretty similar to what Michael Keaton ended up having in his film, just a little less mechanical. Nice. They didn't give him like a beak, did he? Like a beaked nose to stretch it out a little just to give it. That, uh, that were released, no. With like the bomber jacket and, and the mechanical wings. Okay, good. I absolutely approve. I would absolutely love him as a vulture. Now, in that same film, they were also going to have Anne Hathaway be Felicia Hardy, the black cat, which is ironic that she became Catwoman in Nolan's last Dark Knight film. So she still got to play a cat heroine of some kind. But she was going to be Felicia Hardy in Spider-Man 4. And I want to say that there was one other character, one other actor who was set to play a character. Oh, Bruce Campbell was set to play that universe's version of Mysterio. Really? He has gravitas. So I would absolutely, he's very great. I, I feel like he could absolutely pull off Grand Doyce like that. So yeah, I, I approve of this. I mean, what is her name again that's supposed to be Black Cat? Anne Hathaway. Okay. I like her as an actress in some things. I saw the one where she was dating, I think it was Jake Gyllenhaal, and she was dying, so she just wanted a fling, but she was slowly falling in love with shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, so that one. I saw one of the Princess Diaries. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so yeah, so yeah. And then I liked Ocean's 8. I, I liked her in Ocean's 8, but I don't, I, I don't think there's too many things that I've seen her in that I like her enough for her to be that character. Did you ever see her in the Les Mis movie? No. I own the, I'm a snob in this, and the only Les Mis I watch is the original cast. So, no, I have not watched it. I'm not that crazy on theater, but my, one of my friends is, and she'll probably agree with you. <laughs> I co-sign on that, too, though. Honestly, if you're used to one particular cast... And, you know, the faces, the voices, the intonations, everything, that's who you're going to prefer. Like, I know Feline probably would not want to watch any other Hamilton other than the original cast. Yeah, because, like, I just listened to the soundtrack too much where, like, I feel like hearing someone else's voice saying those lines would hit my ear wrong. 
Dude, the, the only reason I got Disney Plus at the time was because it had Hamilton on it. I'd never seen it. And I like musicals. I like music and what I watch. I, I enjoy it. So, you know, I was about it. When I watched it, I was like, yo, I love this. And then I heard, and then I tried to look online for different sets. And there were other, you know, other towns and cities doing it with their own actors and, and, and actresses and stuff. So, and musicians. So when I listened to them, I was like, it just doesn't feel the same. And I know that they're doing their best and giving their heart out and like, you know, belting it. And they're wonderful. They sound wonderful. It just doesn't, it doesn't have the same experience as to what I originally saw that really like roped me in. I saw this really funny and like, no offense, but I saw this really funny version of Skylar Sisters on YouTube. And it was teen girls trying to do it. And I just was not for it. Not at all. <laughs> and it's rough because again like they could have had a massive amount of talent it's just not like you're like i can't i can't get that from you i don't get that feeling from you like you may be singing it but it doesn't make me feel like you know what i'm saying and you want to when you're watching it you want to feel it you want to feel like you're there you want to get the emotions you want to get the body movements you just want to be sitting in the room with a mic belting it out because granted you have the chops good for you wonderful voice more blessings to you but like, I want to watch it. Like when I want to hear it, I want to hear. I want to re-feel what I felt when I first watched it. And the only way that can happen is by using the exact people I watched when I watched it. If I watched the Boston crew do it, and I love what they did, and I was like, oh yeah, no, the Boston crew was for me because they would have been my first experience. Me watching it would have been like, holy shit, you know. This is what I feel when I listen to this crew because this crew is the one that made me feel it. And that's what I feel with the original cast, with, with Mr. Miranda, with him in there. I, I want to watch that. I want to see it. I want to feel it because there. It's giving me that re-feeling the first time I watched it. And that's what it's for. It's all about the ser serotonin and the dopamine hits, man. I would like for them to actually stop having a monopoly on it and just release it for home digital consumption. Because I'd like to buy it without needing to have Disney Plus to watch it. I hate that Disney, like, has their hands in so many shit, especially since it's, like, Broadway. Leave Broadway alone. Like, fuck off. That's why you always have to, like, physical over digital into video games and books and any other type of entertainment consumption. Mm-hmm. It's best to always have physical. Fuck yes. I want a physical copy. I'm one of those people... If I could get like the physical copies of all the books I have on my phone, I absolutely would because I have two big old book cabinets. I know it's not like the 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 most amount anybody would have, but I have two large cabinets of books. And I want more and <laughs> more on my phone, and I want the physical copy. I'm a physical copy type of person. I want to be able to if they take that off that platform or move it somewhere else, that I can still have it and enjoy it as I want. And I can't do that if I get that digitally because if the platform that I'm using decides to stop and it's no longer usable, then that's gone. It happened with the WWE. It happens with songs on iTunes that I buy that I had to save onto other devices because they, they lost the licenses to keep the songs. Um, it's happened to books inside of the iTunes too that I've had to, that I've lost and I've had to go try to find physical copies for. Like it happens everywhere. And I need my physical. Oh, the worst one, the one that breaks my heart the most is the one that happens is The Wizard of Oz played on PBS. It has um, Nathan Lane in it as the as the the, the cowardly lion, and it has like an all star studded cast singing, and they're in front of a giant audience and just standing there in costume, just being themselves, and it's fucking wonderful doing the Wizard of Oz. And there's no physical copies out there of it anymore because it played like once 
on PBS. They did a short run of a copy of like VHS copies, but there's none out there anymore and I cannot get a hold of it. And the only time I can ever see any parts of it is online if somebody puts it on YouTube or I find some obscure site that has it. And I regret not getting a physical copy when I could have. <laughs> Absolutely. There are reports that the Scarlet Witch will be back for Avengers, Kang Dynasty, and Secret Wars, while also she may be playing a small yet very pivotal role in the Agatha series. And the idea is they might try to have her. For right now, the plan is to get her into Vision Quest, but not confirmed. Is her grief also going to be playing a role in alongside her with the rest of these series? Because I'm over it. That's too much Scarlet Witch. <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't mind her if they did her right. As far as the Agatha show is concerned, it's just supposed to be a cameo, so you won't see much of her that, there. But she will play a big role. makes sense. Her being in everything else sounds Vision, unnecessary. Vision Quest would be if they have her in there for a minor role, too. Let's just say, for example, if they do catch up with Vision and then he tries to reunite with her, that she would then have a connection with him, with this iteration. That would be fine if it's if she's saved for the last episode or whatever. And then she could be like the big, I don't know, equalizer in one of the Avengers films. You can't pretend kill her off, though. Like, no one believes she's dead. <laughs> right. Nobody. And then bring her back in three different things and act like it's a big surprise when she reunites with Vision. That's not how that works. Well, that depends whether or not she accepts this vision for what it what it is. I mean, it's another way to still have vision, but he's a blank slate. So it's kind of, you know, you get to start over. Well, but he's not your original vision. And could she get past that? Or is this just another way for her to now be able to get past her grief because she has something else to project that relationship onto? Remember, the, the Wanda's incarnation of Vision passed on his memories or her memories of him into Vision. So Vision has secondhand memories and feelings from Wanda. So he has more knowledge as being closer to a blank slate because he's getting secondhand emotions and secondhand feelings. It's from her point of view, not necessarily from the original Vision's point of view because she just created a vision of who Vision was, you know? The thing is, is that why I say blank slate is because the conversation that Vision imparted on White Vision before they ended their fight was left with almost like an existential crisis thing. Like he questioned why he is even here. So that right there would be a big distraction from him just going into Vision's previous feelings for Wanda because that might not apply to this iteration especially seeing as he has so many questions as to why he was created in the first place. You know what I mean? What is he powered by? Because I forgot. They made it stone, didn't they? Because he's not, because I know he's not real stoned. Definitely the remnants of Vision. Vision's remains. The stone was no longer in his possession, but he was still infused with some, not to mention the hex anomaly to begin with. So maybe have some of that chaos magic in there too. No, I think it has more to do with Shuri. Because think about it, before... Thanos came and ripped the stone out of his head. She was working on a way to keep him alive without needing the stone. Yeah. So whatever research she did get done, I don't remember if she completed it no. just before. She didn't complete it. Or however much, though. Like, if she got a large portion of it done. She said she'd barely begun. Yeah, she'd barely begun to disattach the, the original fucking stone from the rest of it. 
whatever she did because the, pro the process probably didn't begin but how much like right now the thing is is that especially given how smart she is it would be but i'm wondering yeah probably. but the thing is is that she was able to do whatever she was able to do but she had in her own words said that she had barely begun so there was way they made it sounded like tony and banner made it way too complex than it should have been and so she didn't get to finish but like she got to do very little and the gov the u.s government was the one that created the secondary body using the pieces from the first one they had to like hobnob frankenstein this motherfucker back together i just don't know what they're powering him with and so whatever there was that is left in him was in that corpse before going this into one, white vision whether or not whatever data she got that's whether or not that how they built it it just depends on whether or not what she did is significant or not they can of course well given take liberties, how smart you know what I mean? sound like what might not be much for her could be a lot to them you yeah. know what i mean like oh i barely yeah, started that's, that's what, still a lot that's, of that, that's what i was getting at is that they kind of left that to be open-ended but as far as we know by her own admittance even though granted it could be conceived as a different level by others that she felt like she didn't do enough and it was a huge web she had to try to untangle while trying to save his life and try to get rid of the stone at the same time. I don't think the government had enough power to really run Vision as much as he'd need to be run like the power source necessary for him because Shuri was able to try to, you know, de detach him from the stone and the stone left whatever residuals would be left. Um, I think it might have gotten a boost from Wanda when she, like, you know, grabbed him and put him behind the the... The force field that she did because everything that went went through it everything that went through it ended up changing in a sort of way just like uh what's her face did so his his processes has to have changed probably carried some sort of energy that the government just looped off if i don't remember i might have to rewatch the series or at least the last half of it just to catch what they used as a as a power source for him to get it because they didn't use any mystical means i don't think or maybe they used a residual power they could get from wanda at the time that she used on the bodies itself i don't know but i definitely got to double check that but either way i assume that him being white was literally to kind of reboot him so if anything they would have just powered him with the technology that they would have had already most likely some stark tech oh like the arc and shit like yeah like the barf also like i said they probably might have had some residuals from the chaos magic because what she used to create the hex anomaly in the first place for westview so I feel like some remnants of that she, would be there. I just don't know whether or not it would play a no. real role, and I don't expect it to. She stole his remains and then built the hex thing, so the hex thing wasn't there yet. What I'm saying is that the body was reanimated while in the hex, like everybody else, was under the influence. His body was just visually to us reanimated to be like normal but he's literally a dead puppet if you were looking at him without no filter. So it's well, like yeah, I'm just something saying, else like, magic is you know, moving his arms and shit. I'm just saying they couldn't have had access to his corpse with the hex magic on it because he was in the thing with her. She broke him out. That's what they said. Yeah, That's that we saw. The that, we that, we definitely, that we definitely saw in the later episodes that so whatever he was already, his body was already in their possession. She went and she claimed it and brought it into the hex. So whatever it was they were trying to do So whatever beforehand. they built him with couldn't have been with the hex stuff. But either way, that's what they have planned as far as uh, elizabeth olsen's um next rumored appearances 
still too much Scarlet Witch. Lastly, though, I will I will sit there and say that um, <laughs> there's rumors as far as WWE has plans to possibly have The Rock win the Royal Rumble so he could face off against Roman for the title at WrestleMania. That shit has been tossed around a lot, The Rock, in any sh- way, shape, or form. But if he uses any type of, even minor type of performance enhancing anything to get as big as he fucking is and maintain that shit, then they're not gonna, he's not going to be cleared for TV. And it's not to say he's doing anything illegal and stuff like that, because it's perfectly legal, you know, enhancers, boosters, stuff to sit there and, you know, extra weigh in your protein and shit like that. If it's something that they won't approve of then it's not going to be cool. And they're not going to let him on. But I get that. I would absolutely love to see him like that, but I haven't... I don't know what his schedule is like because I know he, like, wakes at the crack ass of dawn before the sun wakes up to start on his fucking muscle... his his daily muscle set. But it doesn't mean that he's taking bumps. That definitely is not something that his body has been used to doing in a while since he's been away from the ring. Nerve endings are nerve endings, and they get hardened over a certain period of time, but they also come back when you don't fucking keep the shit up. So taking bumps will hurt more. He may tear, tear a peck because he's not used to moving in a certain way that he's exercising for. Like, I could sit there and, and exercise and everything, but it wouldn't get me how I need to go to start interpretive dancing because that requires different lengths of movement and extension of muscles, maybe in a way that bodybuilding doesn't fucking use. So he stretches the wrong way. He's going to pull a bicep and he's going to start looking around. All those big ass muscles are going to de- be deflated and then purple and bruised like Cody Rhodes. Uh, what was it? When his pec tore out? You see, that was like a freak occurrence. Yeah. Then he had to do the whole match with Seth Rollins. He showed up the whole le- was it left or right side of his chest was just purple. You could tell that shit bled inside. And it's just bruised, and he got hit on it so much, and there were red scratches, and he did it, and nothing, not for nothing. He has heart, and he fucking Hercules that bitch and went the distance, but still, bruh. The Rock has a has a fucking filming schedule he has to keep up with. Taking time off to fucking heal. That's six, seven months, man, of healing a pectoral that rips away. Vince McMahon was beef as hell, but his hamstrings didn't allow him to make that leap into the fucking ring when Stone Cold and Batista went over at the same time, and he was pissed off for that Royal Rumble. That didn't stop him. You need to stretch and get you get those muscles used to that fucking motion. He didn't train to get that leap, get that hyperextension in that muscle, and that's what fucking tore the both of them out. If it was just an exercise thing, it would have been one, but he tore the both of them because he doesn't exercise that way to lengthen that muscle for that type of move. And if The Rock isn't exercising that way, he's going to hurt more in the long run going back into that ring. I I believe him coming back to the ring when I see him actually show up on WWE TV. I need a vignette. I need a proper vignette with him and a guitar talking shit. Or him talking shit about how you ain't the you ain't the head of no tables, bitch. <laughs> like, yo, I want it. I want it. It'd be one of those things where the elders had sent him to put him in check. Oh, I would love that. And then them tossing Sammy to him like a fucking like like a cloudfish trying to like a sacrificial lamb, just like here, give him to the shark. It'll be fine. Maybe the shark will be satisfied with that. Yeah, I could see that being where they would open this feud starting with. Right some sort of division temporarily between the bloodline because now there's like, oh shit, you know, are we backing Roman? Are we backing Dwayne? You know what I mean? I feel like Gabe might be the one to turn, right? Yeah. If, if, uh, I already kind of play at that a little. 
Well, Jay and Sammy are now on the level now. They're mad cool now. So, like, that's not an issue right now. That's not that's not a thing. They're going to try to make it a thing, but, like... But didn't supposedly before, like, he kind of butt heads with Roman? Yeah, he was the first one to fall to, before the bloodline started. Anyways, that wraps up this week's episode. Tune in next time as we discuss more topics, and you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. If you like the show, follow us on your preferred platform. You can leave us questions and comments as always, or shoot us emails at uh, fandomsculturemurder at gmail.com. Until next time. Y'all stay safe. Be good to yourself.